0: Welcome to the Defining Leaders podcast. Defining Leaders was founded by the idea that together is better. We started as a virtual community that worked together to help develop and lift each other up, helping to boost one another's careers and make work a better place to be. We wanted to grow that community, so we decided to bring it here. I'm your host, Kristin Gupta, the connector of people, and this is Defining Leaders, where together is better. Welcome to our second event for our diversity, equity, and inclusion series. Today, super important to me because there's one thing to do with diversity. Some people say inviting people to a party, but inclusion is really where the magic happens, meaning it's where people feel welcome. Our questions that we offered up in our Defining Leaders live session today were, how can we build cultures that value inclusivity? If our workplaces foster a sense of inclusion by providing opportunities for individuals to celebrate their differences, what happens in business? And then we also asked the question of what can we do as individuals to be more inclusive? And this is one of my favorite things about Defining Leaders is we realize and recognize that we are all leaders in our current state, regardless of title. So we all have an opportunity to have our own little drop in the pond or drop drop in the ocean to make a difference to those around us. So I'm joined today by Sarah Deakin and Jonathan Heider. Hello. How are you?
1: Hi, Kristen. How are you doing?
0: Good. So good to have you again, Sarah and Jonathan. So great to have you as well.
2: i happy to be here, Kristen.
0: Jonathan, I know we've had several conversations around this topic, and this is like your pride and joy, something you're very passionate about. So very much looking forward to our podcast conversation. For our listeners listening in today, please remember that these are things that you can do too, and maybe ask yourself some of these personal questions that we've asked as well about how can you build a more inclusive culture, whether or not your company has an inclusive culture, how can you be more inclusive to those around you too? So what were your thoughts or what were your takeaways from our conversation today that you'd like to share?
1: I, I enjoyed our dis- our discussion today because it it went beyond diversity, which we touched on last week. I'm not sure what the podcast was like from last week, but it went beyond diversity and into that like you were saying at the beginning, that feeling that I am welcome here, I matter to the this group to this this collection of individual people. And we my small group ended up talking about things like, including people who are different ages or who have different personality types show up. So I really like that we went beyond just diversity into, well, how does each person experience a level of inclusion, whether they are of a minority group or not?
0: Right. One of the things that somebody said in the group that really stuck out to me, Sarah, and I'm sure many of us have heard heard this before, but our hope is that we treat others the way they want to be treated, not necessarily the way we want to be treated, because it might be different what they want out of this, because they came from a different culture. They came from a different background. So the first thing we have to do to be more inclusive is to understand how they want to be treated and not make assumptions. A lot of diversity opportunities that fail are because we make assumptions that everyone wants to be treated the same.
1: Absolutely. Instead
0: of everyone wants to feel welcome, there's a difference between the two. Jonathan, what were your thoughts on today?
2: I think there were so many powerful moments. And I think, you know, going off of what Sarah had talked about and like, you know, going away from that concept of the diversity and just really focusing on the individual wants and individual needs. And so, a lot that was talked about in our small group discussion was creating an active listening environment so you can further understand where people are coming from and this then in in a return allows ambiverts extroverts, and introverts to share the floor equally and so it's so powerful for people to take that time to take that moment to to listen because creating this active learning uh, listening environment um will then Lead to learning about the people. And uh, there's so many things that you can learn from these people in these different groups. One of the biggest points that we pulled out of it was that taking the time to listen together. The one thing that was brought up at the very beginning of the discussion was taking that six second pause. Um, And sometimes that six second pause allows you to reflect on what the previous person had said, as opposed to listening to respond, in which people are only listening for when that last person is done speaking so they can start talking. What's going on in their head is what's their idea is. What's not going on in their head is what the previous person had said. So they're not really listening about what the person said. They're only listening for that person to stop talking. And so when you're only listening to, for the sake of the person to stop talking, you're not gathering the information that that person had said. You're not actively listening to them. You're not creating an active listening environment. You're simply just listening to respond. And so, taking that time, taking that reflection, really grasping what that person had said previously, because there's so many things that you could pull out of what a previous person had said. Um, there's so many different components, or there's so different aspects, and the way that the tonality, the facts that are stated, and kind of the experience of what the person is saying can be pulled out of that conversation rather than moving on to what you may have to present as part of your own story. And sometimes, you know, being humble to the point of saying, "Hey, I don't need to share my story. I want to in inter- in return respond to what the previous person okay. has said." Um, is so crucial in those conversations and creating that active listening environment.
1: Yeah, yeah. and it can. Oh, go ahead, sir. And it can, um, and can make then that that response that much more effective and appropriate when there's the pause, the listening, the taking in of the other person's information, whereas maybe. The story I had originally wanted to share wouldn't actually apply. But if I'm listening and I've, if I've heard and really seen the person in front of me, then I may have another story that's far more accurate. Like you said, Kristen, at the beginning, what that person needs or that group situation needs in order to be moved forward. So I think yes to everything Jonathan just said and. And then how much more impactful can the response then be if we are present, listening, taking in the information and pausing and making sure that what we then have to contribute is appropriate, respectful, and on target with the conversation at hand.
0: You're going to hear a little one in the background talking about inclusivity. We have come to a much more inclusive world as well. (laughs) Meaning Meeting. We work from home with our kids. We bring our families to the table. We bring our full person to the table more than we ever have before. And my two-year-old wants something from me. (laughs) But this happens on our meetings. This happens now on our podcast. It happens in the news as well, which I love. Uh, Any comments on that or anything else?
2: You picked up from today that you want to come in, yeah. <laughs> I can step in, Kristen, kind of let you handle that right now. I think that's so important, just like having that crucial conversation and allowing people to, when you listen to them and you hear what they want out of it, I think it allows them to open up even further and create a more inclusive environment because there's things that you know, Sarah, you had just mentioned that you were going to say one story, but then by listening to the person who was just speaking. You're thinking, you know, this is a better story that relates and better connects with this person that I am speaking to. And that creates kind of this more not only inclusive environment, but that allows that next person to then open up even more and tell another story that is just as impactful and is just as powerful um, that allows um, the conversation to continue in a very healthy and natural way that makes the conversation from being uncomfortable to being more comfortable.
0: One of the things that we also talked about today, because I want to make sure that we bring this into the conversation as well, is how if you want an inclusive culture, you have to include people in the planning of that culture, in the creation of the rules or regulations or laws or whatever you want to call it or the creation of the party for those that might have the party principle, like uh, diversity is inviting people to the party, inclusion is whether or not they dance. That can be taken to the next level, meaning you can be more inclusive if you extend the hosting to others so that they know what their people will want to a degree. Right? Uh, but having more diversity in your planning, having more diversity, including diversity of levels, think of a company that's top-down leadership, and they make all the rules based on what executives think. Now think of a company that asks their people what they're looking for and really takes it into effect. Who's going to be around 15 years from now? Any comments
1: on that? I think I, I love what you're saying, and it it leads into something that I that I was also thinking about is how the act of including is is involved with acting ask, asking appropriate questions, and part of that is as if I'm somebody who's planning something, for example, part of that is me checking myself and be humbling myself enough to ask. For what I don't know. If I'm planning the party, like ask my guests, oh, well, do you like fruit punch or lemonade? Or, you know, just to carry that metaphor, but it's we can think, especially as leaders, we can think we have a lot of the answers. And especially in areas like including people are building a, a workplace culture or a corporate culture. There can, there can be this sense that, okay, I know what I'm doing. I know how to lead. I know how to be a leader. And what don't I know? Like we have to step into that discomfort and check that we might not know as much as we think we know and asking those pointed questions of our people in a way that gets them to respond honestly. so that we can take that information into consideration as we're planning, as we're working to to build and develop our people and the culture that we want to create.
0: There's so much to this with history as well. When we think about who some of our leaders are, they may have grown up in the culture of children don't speak at the dinner table. Or now they, they speak on speak podcasts spoken too. <laughs> But now the children that we're raising in many of our families, they are planning the family vacations. They are helping to... Like my seven-year-old was... We're not buying a new house right now, but she loves the idea of buying a castle for a new house. And they ask us when we're moving every day. So I was looking at houses with her last night and she's in a position of choice. And then when she said, mom, how much does that house cost? I tell her it's $3 million for this castle. And she's like, well, how are we going to make $3 million? Maybe we can do this. But this is a whole different generation that we're raising that wants to be included, that wants to have a seat at the table to have that conversation. If companies aren't ready for that, they aren't going to keep people. Maybe this is one of the reasons why Gen Y has a three-year track record, because they want to be heard. And if they're not being heard, they move on to something new, right? Gen Z is a whole different ball of wax as well. We're going to be talking about it in a couple of weeks. So any other thoughts on that topic about having people be involved in the decision-making process? Jonathan?
2: Well, I think you touched on a big point is the importance of not only the now, but the importance of the future. And I think that is a big point that was mentioned in a couple different discussion groups at the end, was the importance of, yes, you need to make decisions now, but also know that you know who's going to be there in five years, who's going to be there in 10 years, who's going to be there in 15 years. And to understand kind of the shift and not only the shift in the employees, but also the shift in the generations that you understand that, you know, uh, that maybe Gen X is in power right now at a, at a company or an organization, but give, you know, five, 10 years, then it'll be Gen Y, give another 10 years, that's Gen Z and kind of the importance of what those different groups bring to the table and we'll have a future discussion in defining leaders on multi-generational workforce but understanding that that it is important bringing these people of the different generations of the workforce of the workforce into the conversation because they will be the future leaders and know that what they bring to the table may even impact today that even though they may not you know own the company or lead the company for another 10-15 years that there's something that they could implement today that could actually benefit the company as a whole Um, As opposed to, you know, not listening for them for another 10 years.
0: Speaking of future leaders, this isn't just generational. This is also with minorities as well. If if minorities do do not see people like them in leadership, they will likely leave to find somewhere else where they see people like them in leadership. And if you want more leaders that are in the minority, they need to be a part of the decision making process as well. So we need to invite them to the table and see why, why are we not promoting people of minority into right. these positions? It's not just about hitting the number when it comes to diversity EEOC. It's about being inclusive enough to see what they need in order to develop, in order to rise up in our organizations as well, both generationally and uh, with minorities and people not like us. Because sometimes the only reason why we are promoting white men and sometimes white women is because we're promoting people that speak and act and talk like us. And we're not comfortable with something that sounds different, that looks different, that might have a different culture or we're not welcoming to it. So they don't want to rise.
1: One thing that, that was brought up in the larger group discussion was just exactly what you're saying and a really simple way to address or to begin to address this in the, in the culture around us is when somebody has a name that is different or difficult to pronounce, learn it. And take the time to learn it right and don't just call them something close. It shows respect. It shows that they're valued. It shows that that you are willing to maybe mess it up a couple of times and be uncomfortable and get messy with it in the spirit of making a connection and showing respect and getting it right. Because then as more of us learn to speak different languages, even in that small section of learning someone's name or learning several people's names, which maybe maybe we hesitated to introduce ourselves or to talk to them because we don't know how to pronounce their name correctly. it's If we can make that effort, we can start to bridge that gap a little bit. I think that's some, that's something really important in our martial arts academy is proper use of names, because the name is really where that connection begins, where people begin to feel included. And somebody else even on the language thing, somebody else brought up that sometimes the corporate language can be a language barrier as well as a, a cultural language Barrier where sometimes the corporate speak or business speak doesn't translate as well to newer team members or younger generations or things like that. Where sometimes you know those language barriers can cause issues with inclusivity or be feeling included with people.
0: Absolutely, Jonathan. Anything to add to that?
1: No, I mean I think
2: Sarah, you said it so eloquently. I, I really, you know, I think that's really the best way to state it. And so I think it's you know taking that time to understand. Um, You know, the person's background, and I think that better connects with the person, better feels that they are included, that you're taking the time to, you know, as simply as learning their name or simply knowing, you know, their backgrounds or their pronouns or whatever it might be, just showing that sign of respect right off the bat and showing that introduction, that first impressions that like, I see you, I hear you, and I support you. And I think that's just right off the bat, having that conversation with them and opening those doors to say all those things. And I think, yeah, totally agree with that.
1: So one of
0: the things that we focus on a lot in defining leaders as well, and this is really important when it comes to this topic, is that we are all leaders, meaning we all have an ability to make an impact, including on topics like these. Sometimes it can be easy to take a back seat and wait for these things to be improved or look at our company and say, my, my gosh, they're terrible at this. But what are we doing ourselves to make some of these changes, to show others that we are inclusive or just to be inclusive ourselves? So I'm going to ask this question of our listeners and maybe have Sarah and Jonathan think about this, too. What can you do to create a more inclusive culture, maybe in your own family or in yourself or in your smaller community? What can you do?
1: Well, I'll, I'll start with just, uh, kind of what I said. I, I do try to learn people's proper names and I am willing to make a mess of it and tell people I have young students and I will say, Hey, please don't, I know you're 10 or whatever. Please don't be afraid to correct me if I mispronounce your name because I don't want to continually disrespect you by mispronouncing it (laughs) because I haven't been corrected. So I, I do that with, with some of the, the students that I work with. And the other thing I just, I I love what, what people said. And I, I totally agree with this. This is something I do is just staying curious and asking questions and understanding that I don't know as much as I think I know and apologizing when I get it wrong or when I overstep or it's just that humility. That's, that's what I what I think I focus on to work on being inclusive with people and trying to be welcoming and, you know, just being a a person of love in the world.
0: I love that. Sent tingles down my neck there, Sarah, with the, I am not the expert and I don't know everything, but I'm open to learning. This is one of the keys to inclusivity is being comfortable getting uncomfortable because we don't The whole point of inclusion is getting to know something that we don't know, learning more about the other person. And for many of us, that's challenging because we don't like to be wrong. We don't like to not know, or at least we don't like to admit to it because we all have egos. So this is a big component of inclusion is breaking down our own walls and breaking down our own barriers.
2: Yeah, I, that was, again, once again, very eloquent, Sarah. Thank you for that. I mean, one of my things right off the bat is, you know, when I introduce myself, um, to kind of understand them and get a little bit of a feel for them, and I always say, hey, I'm Jonathan Hyder, he, him pronouns, nice to meet you. And then giving that person the opportunity to pronounce their name exactly they, the way they like to pronounce it, the way they feel is comfortable, and then to share their pronouns and any other information uh, that they feel is important for others to understand right off the bat. And so establishing that kind of breakdown of the barrier, establishing that relationship, establishing that conversation to remove the uncomfortableness right off the bat. So that puts the ball in their court to share who they are right off the bat and to have that conversation with them. And then as obviously, as Sarah said, we're never done learning. We're never done, um, you know, exploring and understanding and educating ourselves of different cultures and different backgrounds. And so uh, one thing that's super important to understand is like, Just because you may be a minority group in one situation, you're still the majority in so many others. And so respecting that you're sometimes in the majority, sometimes you're in the minority and to take the time to reflect on that and understand what that minority is, you know, educating you on and what you can learn from them as a whole.
0: If you've never been in a room where there's more people not like you than people like you, you may not know what other people are going through. So put yourself in those uncomfortable situations as well. One thing that I find interesting with my relationship with my husband is when I go to temple, I go to the Hindu temple of Wisconsin with him, I am often the only white woman in the room and there are five to 10 to 15 different languages being spoken that I don't know. So I know what it's like to not be the majority, but this also helps me to understand others a bit more and to be more inclusive when somebody else is in that situation and trying to make them feel welcome. By the way, I will say this about the Indian community is I do feel very welcome when I go there, but it's a part of their overall culture And this is the point is being welcome and being understanding that not everybody's the same and many of us are different and that's rich and that's beautiful and that's great and the fact that people speak different languages the fact that they look different that they think different that they they go about the world differently than us let's learn from them because we will become richer for it thank you so much sarah and jonathan for joining us today great conversation Jonathan, I'm looking forward to our conversation next next week for our Defining Leaders community, and in two weeks for our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, this topic so we know what to look out for?
2: Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, next week, we'll be talking on the concept of uh, redefining diversity through individuality. And so this topic really hones in on the individualistic characters that make up who a person is, rather than looking at diversity as a whole. How can we as individuals showcase our talents rather than focusing on whatever tokenism that put us in that situation to be part of the diverse culture, honing in on your strengths, honing in on what makes you you and bring those components of you to life. And so really excited to have this conversation with Kristen and the rest of you next week. And you'll hear about it in a few weeks after
0: that. Wonderful. Thanks again, everybody for joining us. Looking forward to seeing you. If you join us for the Defining Leaders event next week, and if you're a listener to hearing some of your comments, please comment below to give us some insights on your experience when it comes to inclusion and maybe some of your thoughts on how you'd like to be more inclusive in your own culture. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Defining Leaders. We're together is better. Become a part of our community where you can find out more about defining yourself as a leader. The link to join is in the show notes.